The Lord be with you. We are really glad that you're here. Happy Easter to you. Thank you for worshiping with us. Uh, we've had a blast so far, and we're really glad that you're here. We're going to do offering at the beginning of this thing so that we can end up a little bit different. And I just want to tell you a little bit about the offering, because I know a bunch of you are visiting, and you're like, yeah, what's this? Hey, I, I know it could be awkward. Okay, here's what's going to happen with the offering. We're really involved in this project in Africa. We just, 95 of us just went over there recently. A whole, a whole bunch of us went over there. And, and because we were over there, we already support 680 kids over there, something like that, in uh, 15 different centers around Nairobi being worst slums you've ever seen in your life. And, and, and you'll, you'll see some pictures of it. And we went over there, and by us going over there, we kind of attracted more of a crowd, and there's more kids, and they need more building. So we decided one of the things we're going to do is we're going to give $1 for every person that comes at Easter service to that project so that they can start building on, they can add on, they can do something different with their, and get, get more kids in there. Okay? So if you want, you know, if the basket's going to come by and you're like, oh, I ought to do something... Throw a dollar in, okay? I mean, seriously, because we're going to give that. We're going to give that straight to the people over there. Don't feel like you have to. Fill out the communication card on here if you want to, because we want to get more information on you, let you know about some of the crazy things that are going on around here and how we can help you along the way. And uh, ushers are going to go ahead and come now, and they're going to pass the offering. And while they do that, let me just tell you a couple other things that are getting ready to happen. First of all, if you're visiting, there's a guest bag out there, a guest information. Love to get you some information again and let you know, how, you know, let us know how we can help you and whatever we can do. The other thing we're doing with Africa this weekend, um, we've already gotten 180 more kids signed up at Easter so far. We're only about halfway there. Uh, so we're hoping that you'll walk out of here. If you don't sponsor a kid through another organization, or maybe if you do, 38 bucks a month, give up a couple of Starbucks you know, a week or whatever it is that you need to do so that you can rescue a kid. They'll get two meals a day. They'll get school. They'll learn about Jesus. It's really literally rescuing a kid from the slums. And, and I would invite you to do that on your way out. You can get a kid and, and, and sponsor somebody over in Africa. Be fun, be fun for you and your whole family. Put them up on the refrigerator, pray for them, support them, do what you can. We have a What We Believe class around here all the time. We have a one on Monday the 15th. If you'd like to know more information about the church, love to get you in on that. It's a Monday night. Love to help you figure that out. Uh, and then lastly, we have a baptism weekend. We baptized 390 people here last weekend. Is that not cool? Right there. You'll see some pictures along the way. And what happens is, and this is the way Jesus got baptized, he got dunked, okay? That's the way Jesus did it, that's the way they did it in the Bible, so that's how we did it. If you want to do it, you know, we had a lot of people say, hey, I, I missed out on it, I didn't get a chance to do it, I can't, you know, how, how can I do it again? Not next weekend, but the weekend after that, 13th and 14th of April, we'll do it again, okay? I'll jump in the tub, we'll do as many as, as we need to after the service, and we welcome you to, to be a part of that, okay? Um, now... Welcome to Parkview. Really glad that you're here. Glad that you're worshiping with us. Glad that you're with us on the internet. Thank you for worshiping with us. That guy at Buffalo Wild Wings who's watching March Madness and me at the same time. Hi to you. Really glad that you're here. Listen, here's the deal. Before we get too far started in this, uh, it's my dad's birthday today. And so I would really love, because my dad will get to see this on the internet, it's his 75th birthday today, okay? So that's kind of a big deal, you know, isn't it? So... His name's Dan. Will you, just, will you just, on the count of three, say, Happy Birthday, Dan? All right, you with me? Here we go. One, two, three. Happy Birthday, Dan. We love you. All right, we love you, man. Um, the Lord be with you, and then you say, and also with you, but in some churches they do, and give you peace. All right? So let's do that today. Let, let me just kind of backtrack now and start over. I'm going to say the Lord be with you. The last service 
they, they still said, and also with you, because they kind of, you know, like, they can't get it. Yeah, I know you guys have got this, okay? So what I want you to say is, and give you peace. Here we go. The Lord be with you. Very good, very good, very good. Because if you can't get peace out of Resurrection Weekend, you are missing the point. The irony of peace is that last weekend, Jesus rode in on Palm Sunday, and everybody's cheering, and he's crying. Approached Jerusalem, he saw the city, he wept over it, and said, if only you knew what was going to give you peace. But they didn't know that. They didn't understand it. This weekend, everybody else is crying, and Jesus is excited because peace is here. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women went to the tomb, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why, you may ask? Because Jesus said, death? Ain't nobody got time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. Can I get an amen from you? That's what Jesus said. The funny thing is, every time I show that, like people over 50 that have never seen YouTube, you're like, what was that all about? <laughs> it's okay, I'm with you. I don't watch it either. I mean, somebody had to send it to me. The rest of you, you get this. This is, ain't nobody got time for death. Jesus was like, this, this, is, this is life-changing. You understand this, right? The guy who wrote the Hokey Pokey song died a couple of years ago, and they had a hard time burying him. Because they put his left leg in, and... That, that's, what Je- that's what Jesus was like. He didn't stay there. He's not there. The angel said, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen. And later, here's the deal. Later, as they're all gathered together, Jesus appears to them and stands among them and said to them, here it is, peace be with you. See, last weekend, everybody thought they knew what peace was because they thought Jesus was coming to build a kingdom And Jesus said, if only you knew what peace was. This weekend, Jesus rose from the dead. He appears to his disciples and he says, now we've got peace. That's where the peace is. So now turn to somebody next to you and say, peace be with you and mean it. And and ain't nobody got time for that. Go ahead and try that one. Might as well practice. That gives peace like nothing else could, because if Jesus can raise the dead, it should be able to, he should be able to erase the dread. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that, this is the best weekend ever. The Bible says Jesus appeared to them, and they were startled. Now, I've been thinking about that all week, and I think i got to figure it out, okay? Stay with me. What time of year is it? It's springtime, right? And I have it on good authority that Jesus' first appearance on Easter, Easter was actually, the very first Easter was on April 1st. I found that out by checking the calendar, so I know what Jesus said. What did Jesus say? April Fool's. Yeah. Not April Fool's like you thought I was dead, and I'm not. April Fool's like you thought death was a problem, and now it's not. And so I've started doing calculation, and I looked it up. 2018, Easter will be on April Fool's Day. So whatever you do, come back in five years, because i got so many things clicking around in my brain right now. It's going to be so awesome. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. That's why Jesus said that, because, listen, if death is not a problem, then there's not really anything that is a problem, right? Now, here's the deal. It's interesting, because when Jesus appeared to them and said, peace, to the, peace be with you, it says the next verse, they were startled and frightened, thinking they'd seen a ghost. Okay, we get that. And he said to them, why are you troubled? Well, why would they be troubled? Well, because 
They ran away like little girls when the authorities came. We get that, right? But then he says, why do doubts rise in your mind? And that's the question I have for you. Why do doubts rise in your mind? Even after you know this story, even after everything, Jesus had to say, look at my hands and look at my feet. It's me, touch me, this is it. Here's the problem. Peace be with you doesn't mean anything unless you accept it. Unless you believe it. You probably heard the resurrection story before. I don't take anything for granted anymore because I just found out yesterday that my son-in-law from England had never heard of Gilligan's Island before. What a stupid country is that? Cricket and no Gilligan's Island. Come on. That's ridiculous. I'm, I'm guessing that most of you have heard the resurrection story before and you know about Easter, but the problem is knowing about it and having it give you peace are two totally different things. What we need is for God to come to us, breathe on us. Don't you love that song, new Chris Tomlin song? Breathe on me, breath of life, breathe on me. It's a story of the resurrection. Chris Tomlin wrote it, and it's based on a scripture of resurrection in the Old Testament. I don't know if you knew this, but Jesus wasn't the first person to rise from the dead. God can do that whenever he wants to. And there's a time in the Old Testament in the book of, where Ezekiel is, is prophesying, and Ezekiel is the prophet, and he's walking along one day, and he comes to this valley where all these dead bones are. All of, I guess bones are dead already, right? All these bones are there, these from dead people. And they're all laying there like there used to there'd been a battle or something had happened there, and all these bones are there. And God said, I want, I want you to prophesy over these bones, and I'm going to make resurrection happen. Because, Ezekiel, I want you to tell the children of Israel that this is possible for them. Listen to this. So God said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life and I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin and I will put breath in you and you will come to life and then you will know that I am the Lord. Yeah, I would think so, right? So Ezekiel goes, I prophesied as I commanded and as I was prophesying there was a noise. A rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone, and I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them. Are you picturing Spielberg some way here? Because that's what I am. And skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. This is recorded for us in the Old Testament. The bodies popped up, but there was still no life. Listen to this. Then he said to me, and that sounds like a lot of Christians that I know today. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come, breath, come from the four winds and breathe into these that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them, and they came to life and stood on their feet, a vast army. What an awesome scene. And spiritually speaking, it's the scene that ought to be happening in each and every church that celebrates the resurrection of Jesus this weekend. Awake, awake, awake my soul. God, resurrect these bones from death to life through you alone. Awake my soul. There's a scripture I've been zeroing in on a lot around here lately because it's really one of my favorites and it has to do, we've been going through this story thing, trying to get the whole Bible put into one big picture and it's a story that kind of really sums up how the whole thing, or a verse that sums up how the whole thing ought to go. It says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. 
A lot of you probably heard that verse before. And the rest of you are like, okay, that's a good verse. Anyone, anyone can't be me, right? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to personalize this verse right now, okay? Instead of saying, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, I want you to insert your name for anyone, okay? Here we go. Therefore, if Tim is in... Okay, not, don't use my name. Use your name. Here we go. All right. Therefore, if mm is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Do you believe that? Because I'm here to tell you the greatest news you'll ever hear is that Jesus rose from the dead. But he, but he didn't rise from the dead to prove a point. He didn't rise from the dead so that you could be just forgiven for your sins. He came to give you new life. That's what's so important about this. That's why I love that Easter is in springtime, right? It's new lifetime. It's time to plant seeds and see what might happen. That's what Easter and spring is it's all about. Can't go wrong with it. Baby pig, can you? We're the Bacon Church. If you're, just, well, if you're just coming, welcome to the Bacon Church. Jesus did not come to start a new religion, all right? Uh, he did not want to have anything to do with religion. He was here to help us with a relationship with God. Jesus did not come to be a good teacher. You know, I ask you, if you have a teacher in college, if you're in a college class and the guy says, hey, you know what, um, I, here's some stuff I want to teach you, and by the way, I'm the Son of God and I'm going to rise from the dead, you're not going back to that class, right? Jesus can't be a good teacher unless he is who he said he is. And if he is who he says he is, then he came to give us peace. And he came to give us a complete upgrade. Let me, uh, let me explain the mirrors for a minute, okay? Let me explain the mirrors because the mirrors are going to be really, really important to you to understand. It's going to be important for you to grab a hold of what this whole thing is all about as I go through this today. Because the problem with mirrors is that, I don't know about you, but I don't like looking in the mirror. I mean, some of you are very beautiful, and I'm sure you love looking at yourself, but I'm not, I'm not really into that. As a matter of fact, last weekend when we were doing all those baptisms, they had a camera set up to, so that everybody could see it. Did you notice this? It was right over my head, so it was like bald spot camera all weekend long. I look up, I'm like, oh yeah, Rogaine time. That's, I, don't, I don't like, I don't like to look in the mirror, and, and spiritually speaking, I don't like to look in the mirror either, because I got sin in my life. And you're going to see some testimonies from some people who got sin in their life. And you're going to see some testimonies. You're going to be like, wow, you know, a couple of biker dudes that used to be in opposing gangs that are, that are together in an amazing God kind of way and some stuff going on. But I want to tell you something. We baptized 390 people last weekend. Every one of them was a sinner. Every one of them was a sinner. And you know what else? The guy doing the baptisms, he was a sinner too. I got sore shoulders lowering people down and back in again, but the truth of the matter is, I'm a sinner. The Apostle Paul said he was the chief of sinners. I don't know what that makes any of us. So when I look spiritually in the mirror, what I see are sins, spiritually speaking. You with me? They're like, no, I, I don't have no idea what you're talking about, Tim. Okay, well, hang on, let me help you. Like, let's just use a list that... You know, it's pretty famous, and maybe you've heard of before, the seven deadly sins. How about that? How about if we just look at that, okay? Anybody got a problem with lust in here? Don't raise your hand, please, ma'am. Okay? This is, let's just throw all a sexual sin into this one, okay? Any kind of sexual sin, you can just kind of throw it in. But Jesus said, even if you lust and you don't do it, it's still like you're doing it, okay? The second of the seven deadly sins 
is gluttony. Gluttony, yay, had to bring that up. I got all those chocolate eggs back at my house and you brought up gluttony. Tim, that just makes me feel so hollow inside. I can't tell you. Bad joke. Gluttony. Okay, we could go gluttony, and then the next one is greed. I don't know. We could just kind of do any and all of addictions into this, couldn't we? Whether it's porn or, or stuff or, or, you know, food or, or, or drugs or alcohol, whatever it is. I mean, you've been addicted. You are addicted. You know that. You get that. Then the next one is laziness. I don't know why they put this one in during March Madness because there's a whole lot of stuff that I'm not getting done because I'm watching TV. There's a lot of stuff I can look at on this list when I think about it that I should have done that I didn't do. Maybe, maybe you too. How about anger? Anger's the next one. If I'm not happy, ain't nobody happy. Is that the way it works at your house? You have a problem with this? You sometimes have sin in your life because of anger? How about this one? Envy. You know what? You had a problem with this in the parking lot, didn't you? You saw that Escalade parked out there. You're like, oh, man. Right? Because we always want the other things that, that we don't have. Oh, and some of you are going, oh, no, I have no problem with any of these sins. No, not at all. I've really got everything in my life all put together. Well, guess what? You get the last one. Hey, yeah, look at that. Pride. Yeah, that's the, then that's really the biggie. That's the one that got Satan kicked out of heaven, right? So you look at that list, and, and, and now that I'm looking at myself spiritually, wow, I got issues, because I got issues with all those things at some point in my life. Do you? And then, and then there's a, a bunch of you who, who look at that list. You don't, you don't even care about that list, because it's not about what you do. It's about when you look in the mirror, what you see unfortunately, is what somebody did to you. So you got bitterness. When you look in the mirror, you see bitterness. That's what happens. And you look and you see this, and when you look at this list, when you walk by yourself, spiritually speaking, you look at this and you're like, man, I got, I got problems. I think I need some help. When I was younger, probably in my younger teens, I started running around with motorcycle clubs. And uh, from there, I'd graduated into syndicate level people and from there I went into drugs and women and guns and money and from there I went into another motorcycle club. We weren't doing meth, we were doing cocaine. And that lifestyle started for me a long, long time ago. And I say parallel with Mike in a lot of ways, which was, you know, organized crime. I've been on a crime commission list eight years running. I have an FBI number since I was 18 years old. I realized I was losing my second family again, but I was still set in my own ways. Right after I graduated high school, I found out that my mother had terminal cancer, and I ended up being her caregiver. I was angry, and I told God that there was no way this was going to happen again. I was going to run my life. I was going to be in charge. And so 37 years later, I found out that my husband had terminal cancer and I was going to be a caregiver all over again. I was angry and I told God that from now on I was going to take care of my life myself. I, I just knew that I needed help. I didn't know anymore. The finding moment for me was I was in a fight once with uh, kind of a big guy. I hit him really hard in the head. He crawled outside of the building, bleeding all over the place. And, and, and somebody said, oh, you know, that guy 
God, that's not what God, man. And I went out towards them there. And I said, hey, you okay, man? And he... didn't it? I, I don't know if I'm okay. Maybe, maybe I didn't used to be a biker, but, you know, I'm mad at God because my husband's got cancer. You know, I got one of these issues. I got that issue. I got something going on. And honestly, I don't know if I'm okay. But what was that verse again? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. How come that's not giving me peace? Well, because you, you, here's, here's what happens usually when I ask people, hey, are you in Christ? Usually the answer they give me is this. Well, I go to church sometimes, you know, funerals, weddings, and, you know, Easter and stuff. I go, and the next line is, are you ready for it? And I try to be a good person. Yeah, we all know that one. I try to be a good person. Here's the problem. When I try to be a good person, it basically looks like this. Okay, I'm going to try to be a good person. I'm going to, I'm going to take my rag of righteousness, my goodness, and I'm going to try to clean myself up. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to clean myself up. I'm going to make myself look better. I'm going to do good things. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to whatever. I'm going to do the things that Jesus wants me to. And I'm going to try to be good to people and love my neighbor and all those things that I know Jesus wants me to do. And I'm going to try to be good. But for some reason, it doesn't feel like it's done for me. Because now when I look in the mirror, all I see is my pile of supposed good stuff covering over the stuff that I can still see underneath that I still know is there. And somehow there's a nagging feeling that it's not working. And God already told us that it wasn't going to work because He said, all of us are unclean, like one who is unclean, and our righteous acts are like filthy rags. The good stuff that you do is like a filthy rag. And the translation for that is much worse than I want to go into today. It's a nasty, filthy rag. Why? Because all that happens when you do this is that you start hiding the stuff that's underneath. Okay? And, and there's a word that they have for this process right now. It's a word... I just broke that marker. Good thing I have spares. It's a word called religion. Religion. That's what that word is. What is that? That's me trying to make up for the stuff that's going on in my life by myself. That's me trying to do, you know, I'm just going to go to church, I'm going to do the right things, I'm going to do the right stuff, I'm going to make God happy so that it covers over my sin. It's called religion. Okay? But the Bible doesn't say that our unrighteous acts are like filthy rags. The Bible says that our righteous acts are like filthy rags. 
The Bible says that even our goodness doesn't cover everything over. This is the problem with the mirror. This is why religious people are so dumb. Because you can't see the junk that's underneath. All you've done is cleaned it up. That doesn't work very good, does it? All you end up with is this. As a matter of fact, the irony of the white thing is that Jesus called the religious people of his day, and he said, hey, you guys, you're like whitewashed tombs. You're all clean on the outside, you're all white on the outside, but the inside is full of dead men's bones, and that doesn't work very well. And the problem with that is that when I have religion, I still have this nagging sense that I'm still not good enough, right? I'm hoping that when I get to heaven and I stand before God, my good list, my, you know, my naughty list is going to be here, and my nice list is going to be here, and I'm going to have enough to, you know, to balance myself out and everything's going to be okay. But I have this nagging feeling that maybe there's not enough whitewash over everything yet. Because I know there's still junk and I know that I'm still bad and it's not going to give me any peace. And lying to myself about badness doesn't really do me any good. So what does it mean to be in Christ? Well, that's fascinating. Jesus said, to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, i.e. religious people, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector here, this sinner. I thank you that I'm not like that. I, what do I do? Oh, I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all that I get and I follow all the rules and I follow the Sabbath and I do all the things that I'm supposed to do and I'm so thankful that I'm not like that guy. But the tax collector stood at a distance, beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Here's the kicker. Jesus said, I tell you that this man, rather than this man, went home justified. Why? Because everyone who exalts themselves will be humbled, but those who humble themselves will be exalted. What does it mean to be in Christ? Well, religion is about do, okay? It's about do. And let's be honest, maybe that's why you're here, because you're about do. I want to tell you something. You can go to church every week and not make up for your sins, okay? I've been working for God for 30 years, full time for 30 years. You know what that gets me? Maybe a better tea time than you in heaven. I don't even know if that's true. It does not make up for my sins. No possible way. I have way too many of them. And I'm not making this up. This doesn't work at all. Jesus said this. People say, are, are you saying that there are religious people that aren't in the kingdom of heaven? I'm not saying that Jesus did. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, did we not prophesy? Oh, wait, 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 let me do it this way. Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and drive out demons in your name and perform many miracles? Did we not do a bunch of good works? And God's going to go, well, wait, Jesus is going to go, that doesn't look very good. It's like filthy rags. We're going to go, no, 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 we did, we did, I'm a good person. And Jesus is going to say, that doesn't look to me like you're a very good person. This doesn't work. And I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Get away from me, you evildoers. This is why religious people don't have peace. Because now when you mess up, you're just feeling guilty. Now when you mess up, you just realize you can't have peace because you realize deep down underneath there, there's still a bunch of dead men's bones. I grew up in the picturesque Blue Ridge Mountains of North Carolina. And I came to the Chicago area. Um, 
about 35 years ago to teach school. One year after moving to Chicago, I married a wonderful Christian man, and uh, we attended a church, of course, and unfortunately the church was very legalistic. A uh, different pastor came, it became even more legalistic. I struggled with so many things at the church, and um, the marriage was struggling too, and the marriage fell apart. We've been married for 12 and a half years, and I grew up in a performance-based faith where the outside was really where what was most important and didn't really matter what was going on on the inside, or how empty you were, or how vile your heart was. And of course, pursuing that path brought me to a place uh, eventually in my marriage where I thought I was going to lose everything and I should have. When I hit rock bottom, I was really at a place where I felt all alone and like I was going to lose everything around me. The next two years were the hardest years of my life. Um, I felt like that I felt God. And I just felt like that God didn't love me anymore. And that's not very much peace, is it? Let me help you with this. You can't change the person in the mirror. It doesn't matter how many good things you try to do. You can't change them. That's why the Bible says if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Not if any man is in church or in good works or even in a Bible study. All those are wonderful things. But if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. This is why Jesus was so popular with the irreligious people. You understand this, right? This is why people that were far from God loved to hang out with Jesus. Because Jesus was real comfortable with them and they were comfortable with him because they didn't like, neither one of them liked religion. But the problem was the religious people couldn't stand Jesus. You see, the people that stood over here and beat their breasts and said, God, have merciful, be merciful to me, I'm a sinner, they were attracted to Jesus. And if that's you, you ought to be attracted to Jesus too. The problem is these people over here who said, God, I thank you that I'm not like those other sinners, they didn't need a Savior. So they had Jesus arrested and beaten and crucified. And we get to the cross, and, 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 and you know, sometimes people ask me, how come, how come we don't have Jesus on the cross at Parkview? You know, I don't have any problem with churches that have Jesus on the cross still, because we need to remember what Jesus did for our sins. That's really, really important. But listen to me. The cross doesn't work by itself. Matter of fact, I was playing golf with a priest one time, and, and he, was, he was really a good putter. Every time he would get up to putt, he would cross himself, and then he would putt. And he, would, he was just dropping stuff like crazy. And so finally, you know, after about nine holes, I'm like, dude, do you think if I did that, my putting would be better? And he said, no. And I said, why not? And he said, because you're a lousy putter. The cross can't help you. The cross is not going to help you all by yourself. It's not going to help you live your new life unless you're a new creation. Do you understand that? The cross is only part of the equation. That's what, that's what the problem is. The old is gone, yeah, but the new can't come unless there's Easter. There's no peace unless there's Easter. That's why they took him off the cross and put him in a borrowed tomb because they knew they were only going to borrow it for a couple of days because the angels were going to say, He is not here, He is risen. The cross is about payment for our sins, and that's very, very important. But the resurrection is about change. It's about change. Okay, so, so here's, here's how Christianity is supposed to work, okay? The man in the mirror, the woman in the mirror, we realize that, you know, they've, that we've messed up and we've done bad things, and, and most of us get to the point where we see this stuff all over us, and we realize that that's a problem, right? 
but, but, but then religion comes along and it's about trying to clean up our mirror and that doesn't work because our cleanup is all just a bunch of filthy rags. So we need the resurrection because Jesus said, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. And the new has come. And now, when I look in the mirror, I don't see myself, my bald spot, my sin. I don't see my effort at trying to make my life better on my own. I see Jesus. And God sees Jesus. And if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. That's how this works. Because religion is about do, but Jesus is about done. It's about done. Don't let sin mess up your life, and don't let religion muddy up your life. Now, I have a new life, and you can't write on this mirror. And that's called grace. I had a friend that sent me an email yesterday, and he signed off. You know, at the end, you'll sign... You know, thanks or sincerely or blessings or whatever. He wrote, grace, comma, therefore peace. I'm stealing that. If, if you don't get anything else out of that, grace, therefore peace. The old is gone, the new has come. And now it's Jesus living inside of you. The good, the good part about that is, am I supposed to love my neighbor? Am I supposed to pray for my enemies? Am I supposed to do all those things Jesus said? Yeah. Should I be in a Bible study? Should I pray? Should I, should I go get a kid out there and sponsor a kid and, and, and save a kid from the slums? Yeah, absolutely. But not so that you can try to make up for your sins. Not so that you can try to be a better person on your own. You do it out of love and out of gratitude. And you do it with the power of new life inside of you because you are now a new creation. Do you understand that? That's the beauty of this. The resurrection should give you peace because it changes your life forever. If Jesus can raise the dead, He should be able to erase your dread. Peace to you, He said. This is about a new creation. Not a better creation. A new one. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, He is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. It was just me and God, and He wasn't there judging me. He was there with an invitation to come and um, bring what I had left, which was not much. And so I came, and uh, His grace has been overwhelmingly evident since then. I remember memorizing grace as something I get, whether I deserve it or not. All the things that I had done. looking in the rearview mirror and you look back and you think, oh my goodness, he was there. He really was there. I just 
wouldn't open the door. There's nothing that we need to fear. We don't have to worry about what we did in the past or what we're going to do tomorrow or anything else because he's there. I got lucky enough to do this trip to Africa and see these children and these people that have absolutely nothing in their life to pray for, to sing for, to dance for. But every time I went there, every morning I got off that bus, them kids were there smiling and, and waving and, how are you? You know, they thought, so that's what they know how to say. How are you? And you just, you, you mean the tears would want to come in your eyes and just, because you just want to take them home and get them out of this hell they live in. And every day they can praise God and thank Him and sing to Him and, and read Bible verses. It's like, I, man, I really need to put myself in check. We talk about this um, quote that we heard, God's grace is like an ointment that you apply daily and it's just enough for that day. And it's kind of how we've lived our lives and we're so grateful for God's grace. The song Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound, that saved a wretch like me. I did all of my Christian duties because of guilt. I attended church, I read my Bible, I tithed, I did all the good deeds. But finally, I understand grace and that's a pretty cool place to be. It took a while to get to that point to be okay. And um, I'm sitting here with a guy who, I don't know, just a couple years ago, wouldn't have been okay with me. And he wouldn't have been okay with me sitting here next to him. On his arm it says, kill or be killed. And that's for real. That's, that's death. I would have killed him a few years ago. And he would have tried to kill me. Today, I couldn't even imagine myself hurting somebody, let alone killing somebody. So, again, here, I'm going to take this off because I just don't need it anymore. And if it stops me from loving my brother, I don't need it at all. Love it too, bro. I love it too, man. Peace. That's what I'm talking about because he's alive. Now, I know your question is, well, how do I know if I'm in Christ, right? How do I know that? Very beginning of the book of John, the Gospels, it says, He came to that which was his own, the religious, but his own did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the rights to be children of God. You can be a child of God today. You can receive him today. It's pretty simple. Are you the person over here who thinks, I got pretty well together, my good stuff is more than my bad stuff? Or are you the person over here who's beating their chest saying, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner? Jesus very plainly said, this is the one who gets peace. So you can receive him today. Jesus gave us a couple of sacraments he wanted us to do. He told us to baptize. We do that. And that's a death, burial, and resurrection kind of a thing. But the other thing was something that we do every week because he told us, you know, whenever you get together, I want you to eat this piece of bread and I want you to drink this cup and receive me. It's my body, my blood. It's broken for you. We're going to do that right now. There's trays going to come across. There's kind of a cool little system we've got there's a little there's two cups inside of each other there's bread in the bottom cup juice in the top cup just take them both out and hold them when they come by all right just hold them because we like to commune together and you don't have to be from Parkview if you're a believer this is your opportunity 
Maybe for some of you, you're, you know, you're like, I get this. Yeah, the grace thing. I, I, this is good. I just needed a reminder. Some of you are like, you know what? I've been gone for a while, and this is going to be my way of receiving Jesus back into my life again and, and saying, Lord, I'm a sinner. And for others, maybe you don't even know. Maybe somebody did something for you at some point along the way, but you don't know if you ever received. It doesn't really matter. Every week here, you get the opportunity to start new with communion and receiving. Every day I get to wake up and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Thank you for your grace. Give me your resurrection power. Let's go. And you can do that too. Let's do it right now. Jesus, we come right now thanking you for the cross. We don't minimize that at all. We're so thankful for what you did to pay the penalty for our sin. And as we've been studying around here, uh, sin means death, and, and you had to pay for that. It was gripping last night as we watched the Passion movie at my house, Lord, and as we think about what you did for us. But I'm so thankful for that one tiny little last scene at the end where the stone is rolled away and you pop out because that's what it's really all about. That's where peace comes from. So as we receive you today, Lord, make us new creations. Let the old be gone and the new come. And renew our hearts. For those who are here who aren't sure if they're in you or not, Lord, just let them come to you and, and say, Lord, I'm, I'm a sinner. And I humbly acknowledge the fact that all of my good things put together are never going to make up for all the things that I've done wrong. And I need you to save me. And so I accept you as my Lord and as my Savior. And I'm going to follow you and I'm going to live for you. I receive you now and I ask for your power to make me a new creation. For all of us, Lord, that's what we pray. Be with us in Jesus' name. Amen.